All righty, we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter number one this morning. Luke chapter number one, continuing uh, to follow the life of Christ through the book of Luke. So we're going to be uh, looking uh, at his uh, birth and leading up to his birth, uh, to, up to Christmas, and then after Christmas. Uh, we'll be following the life of Christ through the book of Luke uh, until we hopefully uh, wind up at the crucifixion and resurrection around Easter. And so that is our hope as we make our way through the Scripture. Of course, if we don't follow that schedule, it's all good. And so uh, we'll enjoy it as well. There's a brother I know who, uh, whenever he gets up to preach, he, uh, he says, open your Bible anywhere. It's all good. And that's how he always starts off. And then he'll tell you the reference later. But uh, anyway, it's all good. And I I thank the Lord that he has given us his word. But this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter number 1. We're going to be in verse number 39 down through verse number 56. And this morning we're going to be looking at Mary's song of praise. Mary's song of praise. Uh, shortly after Gabriel came and told Mary that she was going to be the mother of the Lord Jesus, uh, Mary took a trip and she journeyed about a hundred miles uh, to be with her cousin Elizabeth who also was with child uh, uh, from the miracle of the Lord and she was her cousin Elizabeth was expecting John the Baptist which we find out later uh, but whenever Mary heard the news that she was going to be uh, carrying the Christ child, she made the journey to go and visit with Elizabeth. And after arriving there at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth greeted her and then Mary responded to that greeting with this passage of scripture that we know as Mary's song. Now, the Bible does not specifically say that this was sung by Mary, and so we don't know if it truly was a song, but for centuries we have regarded this passage of Scripture as Mary's song. So we're going to read starting in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 39. The Bible says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entering into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on all them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich... He hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. 
Thank you, dear Lord, that you looked down upon the need of sinful man. And God, you in love sent your Son, O Lord, to come, to live, and to die, to be the propitiation for the sins of mankind. O Lord, as Brother Danny was saying this morning, Lord, if it had not been for the virgin birth, there would have been no divinity. If it hadn't been for your divinity, there would have been no sinfulness if there or sinlessness. If there had been no sinlessness, there would have been no forgiveness. And Lord, if there had been no forgiveness, there would have been no eternity for us. And Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that you sent your Son. I thank you, dear Lord, that you saw our need. You saw our helplessness. You saw our hopelessness. And Lord, you provided a way of salvation. Oh Lord, now as we look into your word this morning, Father, I pray that you will clear our minds of all those things that result from the fallen nature of our humanity. And Father, instead, our minds will be focused upon the perfection of the sinless Son of God. Father, I pray that you'll bless now as we look at this song that Mary sang in praise of you. And Father, Lord, that you will unite our hearts together with Mary. And Father, as children of God, we will lift our voices in praise for your wonderful works. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to learn to depend on you. Father, I pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now we see here this passage of Scripture, as we said, this is Mary's song, or the Magnificat, as, been, as it is known uh, uh, by many people. Uh, and so before we dive into the Mary song, I want to take a moment and look at the events that led up to uh, Mary answering Elizabeth with uh, this song of praise. In verse number 39, we see that Mary made a personal decision. She made a personal decision. And Mary arose uh, in those days and went into the hill country with haste, uh, into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias uh, and saluted Elizabeth. Now, I don't know all that uh, influenced Mary's decision to go uh, and see Elizabeth, uh, but we do know that whenever Gabriel told Mary that she was going to bear the Christ child uh, as a means of confirmation, Gabriel shared with Mary uh, that Elizabeth, uh, who was childless uh, and who was past age of being able to have a child, uh, was with a child. It seems to me that Mary may have went to confirm what the angel told unto her. Mary went to see just if what the angel had said was true. She went to visit with Elizabeth. Perhaps it wasn't that she needed the confirmation. Perhaps Mary went to visit with Elizabeth because she wanted to fellowship with someone who had experienced the same thing she had experienced. You know what? Whenever you come to Christ, you will find out that you will do well to fellowship with fellow believers. You will do well to build friendships with those who have experienced what you have experienced. You will find that you will grow in Christ when you unite yourself with those who also are benefiting from a relationship with the Savior. So we see Mary made the decision to go visit Elizabeth. Not only that, we see in verse number 41 that when she arrived, there was a prophet prophetic 
confirmation, a prophetic confirmation. In verse number 41 it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now like I said, I don't know if Mary went to find some confirmation, but if she went to find confirmation, she got more than she was looking for. If she had went to see if indeed Elizabeth was with child, when she got there, definitely Elizabeth was with child, but there was far more confirmation going on than what Mary was expecting. The Bible says that whenever Mary came in and Mary greeted Elizabeth, that John the Baptist, anointed from his mother's womb, was still in the womb. He heard the salutation of Mary and he leaped. <coughs> he leaped in the womb of his mother. This was a prophetic confirmation. Right here at this moment, John the Baptist, while still in the womb, prophesied that this is the Christ. You see, John the Baptist was someone who was prophesied in the Old Testament that there would be a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist came to this earth to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And while he was yet in the womb, he confirmed that the Messiah had been conceived. Now if we could go off just a little side trail right here that doesn't necessarily have to do with the Christmas story, but it's a great point to make. We see from right here that there are those who try to claim that the embryo is not a human life, but here I see two embryos in their mother's womb communicating and there was life in the womb. Life in the womb, we see here there was a prophetic confirmation that Mary was indeed the mother of the Christ. And then we see in verse 42 down through verse number 45 that there was a positive interaction. There was a positive interaction between Mary and Elizabeth and this positive interaction is what resulted in Mary, that song that she sung. I see three things in this positive interaction. I see first of all that in Elizabeth Mary found some strengthening fellowship. Mary found strengthening fellowship. As I said a moment ago, Christians will find that it will do them well if they fellowship with fellow believers. You know what? This world will tear you down. The philosophy of this world will tear you down. The behavior of this world will tear you down. The direction of this world will tear you down. And if you are a person who follows the things of this world, you will find yourself spiritually becoming weak whenever you spend your time around those who are students of the Word of God and those who believe in the Word of God and those who follow after the things of God, you will find that those relationships will strengthen you. When Mary went to visit with Elizabeth, she found some strengthening fellowship. She found some fellowship that strengthened her in the Lord. Not only did she find some strengthening fellowship, but she found some sound encouragement. She found some sound encouragement. She found a fellow believer that encouraged her in the work that God had told her to do. I've heard of many people who were called into missions or called into the ministry and their family meaning it lovingly, meaning it out of care, would advise them not to follow the calling of the Lord. 
Oh, don't you know that those that are in ministry, boy, I'm telling you, they, there's a lot of hardships in ministry. Don't you know if you become a missionary that you're going to be away from your family and you're not going to be able to spend holidays at home? Don't you know that, that you're going to put your family in danger and, and in peril? Don't you know all these things you're going to face? And many times well-intended people will discourage those that have been called into the ministry. But we see here that Mary had been given an enormous task from the Lord. And she went to visit with Elizabeth and Elizabeth gave her some sound encouragement in what God had called her to do. She found strengthening fellowship. She found sound encouragement. And in Elizabeth, she found a spiritual example. She found a spiritual example. We see there in verse number 41 that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, she was filled with the Holy Ghost and then we see uh, uh, that she prophesied uh, to Mary concerning Mary uh, because we see here that Elizabeth was someone who walked with the Lord. Do you know it is true that Christians, not just pastors, not just Sunday school teachers, Christians are to be people who walk with the Lord. Christians are to be spiritual examples one to another. You know, something that's, that's pretty common and, and, and can be helpful at times, but it's more often destructive. As many times when Christians get together, a Christian will say, uh, you, know, you know, brother... I have a hard time with my daily devotions. I have, I have a hard time being faithful with my devotions. And another Christian may say, well, brother, I'll I, I just be honest with you. I've, I've not did daily devotions for a couple of years. I, uh, you know, I, I hardly ever do daily devotions. Another brother will speak up and say, yeah, you know, I used to try to do them, but it's just uh, time and everything, and I don't do them either. And now I know that we're in our minds we're trying to help one another by showing that we all struggle with the same thing and we need never be proud and haughty and lift ourselves up as if we're better than others. But I guarantee nobody left that conversation encouraged about doing their devotions. But if ever I say, Brother Randy, I just, you know, I have a lot of trouble doing my devotions. Brother Randy said, well, you know, I used to struggle with that. Let me tell you what helped me. Here's something I started doing that helped me. And somebody else says, well, let me, let me tell you what helped me. I used, Brother, I was right there where you're at. I know what you're going through. But let me tell you what I did and how I applied it and how God worked in my, excuse me, how God worked in my life. And you know what? Then we encourage one another to go home and dig back in again. We see here that Mary, Mary found some spiritual, uh, some sound encouragement and a spiritual example in Elizabeth. <clears throat> I got this frog in my throat trying to interrupt a lot this morning. Y'all forgive me. <clears throat> because of the interaction between Mary and Elizabeth, we find in verse 46 down through verse number 55, the Magnificat, Mary's song. Here in verse 46 to 55, we find what I've, what I've called a poetic exaltation. A poetic exaltation. The Bible does not specifically state, as I said, whether or not Mary sang this portion of Scripture. But it is a poetic portion of Scripture in its original format. 
and it has been regarded as a song by Bible scholars for many centuries. Perhaps on the journey to Judah, uh, we don't know how Mary got to Judah, whether she was on foot, whether she uh, rode a wagon, how she got there. The Bible doesn't tell us how she got to Judah. We do know it's about 100 miles. Uh, perhaps on the way there, as Mary meditated, uh, perhaps Mary wrote down her thoughts uh, about to the fact that she was going to be the mother of the Lord and began to write these thoughts down. Maybe on that trip she composed this song and whenever Elizabeth spoke to her, Mary just responded in song because this was something that she had been meditating on anyway. Perhaps this portion of Scripture is just in a a spontaneous overflow of the abundance of her heart and her meditations as she was filled with her thoughts concerning the Savior. Whether it was a song or whether it was an overflow doesn't change the message of this portion of Scripture. The message of this portion of Scripture remains the same. And so... As we look at Mary's song, I want to point out four areas where Mary lifted her voice in praise to God. We see first of all in verse 46 and down through verse number 48 that she begins her song with praise for personal blessing. Mary begins her song with praise for personal blessing. We see in verse number 46 that Mary exalted the lordship of God. She exalted his lordship. In verse number 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. To be Lord means to reign supreme. To be Lord means that you are the owner and controller of everything. Now there is a lot of theological debate about the lordship of Christ and we're not going to delve into all that debate right now but one thing that I want to make abundantly clear is that whether you like it or lump it God in heaven reigns supreme and is owner and controller of everything. You can submit to his lordship or you can rebel against his lordship but it doesn't change the fact that he is lord and he is righteous and judgment in whatever he does. There are those who seem to think that if I reject him as Lord, he has no authority over my life. I must tell you this morning, he is owner and controller of everything that exists and he has the right to do whatsoever he will with anything and everything inside the scope of his being. He is Lord of all. We see here that Mary uh, Mary exalted his lordship. She began by saying, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Mary recognized the creator. She recognized the controller of the universe. She recognized her creator, the owner of heaven and earth. She gave honor to the one who possesses all and she rejoiced in the supremacy of our God. You know what? There are those who want to reject the supremacy and the sovereignty of God. But those that want to reject it fail to understand the benefit of it. Whenever you understand the benefit of God being in control of everything, I'm telling you what, it takes a big burden off of your chest because it's all on Him. You know what, there are some in here who work for employers and there are some in here who are employers. There's a difference. 
You see, many times the employee depends on your level of employment. Some employees are given different level of responsibility. So we're making the example of a, of a, a beginner level employee and, a, and, and an owner of a company is the example that we're making. An employee clocks in at 7 o'clock in the morning and he fulfills his responsibility and at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he clocks out. And after he punches that card to go home, uh, the, the job is no longer his concern. If it burns down while he's asleep at night, uh, he'll just have to find another job. If the, if the stock market crashes, uh, that's not his concern. If the machine fails to operate on the next shift, uh, that's not his concern. He doesn't have to worry about it whatsoever. He can go fishing. He can go plant a garden. He can go watch television. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, and until 7 o'clock rolls around, the next morning, he doesn't have to think about the job at all. Some people really enjoy that ability to disengage uh, from their employment and although they see that there is possibility to make a lot more money, they say, I would rather be able to disengage from my employment and make less and go fishing and so that's the life that they pursue and there's nothing wrong with that. There are others though who are overachievers and they want to own the company. They work their way up the ladder, they get promotions, they get all the way up and now they own the company. And when they own the company, they realize that there's no more clocking in and clocking out. This thing is 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They never quit thinking about it. They never quit uh, uh, meditating on it. They never quit working on it. It is, it is their life. It is constantly in their thoughts. If they do manage to get away and go fishing while they're sitting there fishing, uh, uh, they're thinking about everything they need to do when they get back home. If they go try to sit in a tree stand, they can't focus on the deer because they're worried about the job that might be getting done or might not be getting done. And they can never, never, never get free from it. Now the reason I give you this illustration is because whenever you understand the supremacy and the sovereignty of God, you realize that in regard to the things that are outside of our control, we can live like that beginner level employee. We do what God has given us to do and we leave everything up to Him. It really doesn't matter what happens. God is in control. He's got, he's got it in his hand. He's taking care of it, and he's, he, he's doing it. But you know what? A lot of us go through life acting like we're the owner of the company. And we are worrying and fretting and stressing and trying to fix everything and trying to, trying to take care of everything, uh, trying to think through how we're going to approach everything. Uh, and we're going through life uh, completely wore out uh, and completely stressed uh, over things that are not... Our concern. Mary magnified the lordship of her creator because she understood the benefit of the sovereignty of God. She exalted his lordship. We see next of all that she rejoiced in his salvation. In verse number 47, it says, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary understood that this child that was in her womb was the promised Messiah. She understood that this was the Savior of the world. This was the one that was come to take away the sin of all mankind. She magnified His Lordship and she rejoiced in His salvation. Not only that, but we see thirdly that she exalted Him because she realized her position. In verse number 48, he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, 
all generations shall call me blessed. Mary said, I recognize who he is. I recognize what he's done for me. And I recognize that I am unworthy. I recognize that he has regarded my low estate and for the rest of time I will be regarded as a blessed person because God in his kindness has regarded me. Do you know that each and every one of us who have put our trust in Christ can say that God in heaven has regarded an unworthy creature and for the rest of the time we can rejoice in the salvation of God. Mary realized her position and she exalted God. Not only did she praise for personal blessing, but we see in verse 49 to 50 that she praised God for God's preeminence. She praised Him for His preeminence. In addition to the supreme authority of God, we find that God surpasses all others in His quality. The qualities that God have surpasses any other human or any other deity that has ever been construed in the mind of man. His preeminence, he is so far above any other. We see that she praised him for his preeminence. In verse number 49, she described his character. We see in verse number 49, she said, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. As Mary praised the preeminence of God, we see that in describing his character, she praised his power. All powerful. You remember last week we looked at the verse, for with God nothing is impossible. We serve an all powerful God. We serve a God that is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Bro Rick, can I tell you a story you shared with me? Bro Rick told me, he said the other day he was thinking about that, that with God all things are possible. He was there at the house and he was thinking about that. And his ice maker hadn't worked for about six months. And he was standing there next to his ice maker and he was thinking about this verse and he looked up at the ice maker and he thought, Huh. So he prayed and asked the Lord to fix his ice maker. This is no lie. At least I believe him. This is no lie. <laughs> Brother Rick said he prayed and asked the Lord to fix his ice maker and within seconds he heard ice fall in the ice maker. And the ice maker took off work. With God, all things are possible. The problem is we're not asking Him. We're not cashing in. We're not making ourselves available to what God has provided for us. But with God, all things are possible. And when Mary exalted the Lord, she exalted Him for His power. He is able to do. Way back in Genesis, he had promised Adam and Eve that he would provide a Savior. And here in her womb was that Savior. And she exalted him that he was able to do what he said he would do. Not only did she exalt him for his power, but she exalted him for his purity. She said, and holy is his name. Not only does she describe his character, but she praises God for his preeminence. We see that she expresses her delight in his compassion. She delights in his compassion. She says in verse number 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation 
to generation. She thanks him. She delights in his compassion. He will show mercy. Let me tell you this morning, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter what you have said. If you come to God in repentance, I 100% guarantee you, more than I can guarantee Brother Rick's story, I guarantee you that he will show mercy. Everybody, there is no one exempt. There is no one that doesn't qualify. There is no one he will reject. There is no one he will turn away. There is no one he won't save. If you will come to him, he will show mercy. He doesn't withhold his mercy from anyone. From generation to generation, he has bestowed his mercy on all those that fear him. You say, why does he put that clause in there on those that fear him? Because there are men and women, boys and girls who do not fear the judgment of God and therefore they do not come to God in repentance and they never avail themselves of the mercy that is available. But if they would turn and repent, mercy would be poured out on them. She praises him for his preeminence in his character and in his compassion. Then as she continues this song of praise, she turns her attention to praise for God's power. Praise for His power. In verse 51 and 52, she exalts the strength of His arm. It says in verse 51, He has showed strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. As Mary praises God for His power, uh, she points out uh, uh, some examples uh, of His strong arm. He is able to scatter the proud. You know what? I find it interesting that the proud always feel that they're untouchable. And God says, the proud will be scattered at my power. You can be as haughty and as arrogant and as convinced in yourself as you want to be, but you cannot stand before the presence of an almighty God. He has scattered the proud. Also, we see that he has humbled the mighty. Many times when men are strong in an earthly Respect. They are seen as mighty in an earthly respect. Many times those people are the proud and the haughty and those that feel that they have put themselves in that position. And the Bible says that God Almighty will humble the mighty. Those that rise up against Him will be put down. But I love this last part of His power as she looks at His strength of His arm. It says the last part of verse number 52, and exalted them of low degree. Not only did he scatter the proud and humble the mighty, but he exalts the humble. The Bible says, humble yourself therefore before the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm not living for this life. I'm not living for today. I'm not living for the temporal. I'm living for the eternal. And God says, if you want to have a good eternity, you humble yourself before me in this life. And there is coming a day when I will exalt you. I will lift you up. 
up. I will exalt you. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. He lifts up those of low degree. And then in verse number 53, as she praises God's power, we see first she looks at the strength of His arm, but then in verse number 53, she looks at the source of His abundance. The source of His abundance. It says in verse number 53, He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. And when you first read that verse, it may cause you to stop and ponder and want to read it again and say exactly, if we're looking at his abundance, why does it speak of sending folks away empty? What this verse is showing us this morning is that God is the one who is in control of what we do and do not have. If you have been blessed with plenty, it's because the hand of God has bestowed it upon you. If you are in need of plenty and it's provided, it's because the hand of the Lord has provided it for you. Everything that we have is a result of the goodness of of God. We need never take for granted that what we have, we have earned or obtained or gotten on our own. Everything we have, be it possessions, be it health, be it friends and family, whatever it may be, everything we have is a result of the goodness of God. Everything that we possess, He is in control of our abundance. In verses 54 to 55, we see that Mary brings her song to a close with praise for God's promise. In verse number 54, she said, He hath hope in His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. As He spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His seed forever, Mary praises God for His promise. We see in these verses that we can praise Him as Mary did because He remembered His promise to Israel. And because He remembered that promise to Israel, you and I this holiday season are celebrating Christmas, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he remembered his promise to Israel, he remembered his promise to Abraham, and he sent a Messiah. And you and I can rejoice today. We can praise him today because he kept his promise. But I want to say this morning, we can also rejoice. Uh, we can praise Him this morning because just as He remembered Israel, He will remember you and I. Just as He did as He promised for them, He will do as He promised us. In Colossians chapter number 1 and verse 20 down through verse number 22, the Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he 
reconciled. By the blood of Christ, he has been given the ability to reconcile all things to himself, whether they be in earth or whether they be in heaven. And those of you who used to live wicked lives and vile lives and unclean lives, those of you who were the enemies of God, many of you have now been reconciled and have been brought into a relationship with him because he will keep his promise. And those who are still alienated from God can be reconciled because through the blood of Christ he has promised that he has the ability to bring all to himself. It says in verse number 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This Christmas season, as we look at Mary's song, let us remember to lift our voices in praise to the God of heaven for the mercy he showed us when he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let us not miss the meaning of this Christmas season. Let us not get so caught up in the, in the entertainment side of Christmas that we fail to remember that God in his mercy sent his son to die for the sins of mankind. Let's proclaim it. Let's tell it everywhere we go. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted the free gift of salvation, let me tell you, this is why he came. This is why he left glory. This is why he left the splendor of heaven. was for you. You say, preacher, you don't know all that I've done. You don't know all that I've been. You, you, you don't know my past. You are the reason he left glory. You are the reason he came to earth. If there had been nobody on earth except you, he would have left the splendor of heaven and came and died on a cruel cross because of the love that he has for mankind. If you're here this morning, you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you there's nothing better you can do than to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin, turn your life over to him and let him make a new creature out of you. You will never, ever regret being reconciled to the Savior of the world. Let's all stand to our feet as Miss Debbie comes to the piano. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, in just a moment, Miss Debbie will begin to play. Perhaps you're here and you just want to lift your voice in praise to the Lord and you want to come to the altar and just praise Him. Be welcome to do that. If you're here and you've never trusted the Lord as your Savior, perhaps you're here and you don't know if you have salvation. Make your way to this altar. Let somebody take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come. Mm -hmm.